Claptrap, Episode 4, Fantasy Sports. Hey, 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 Claptrap Country. Welcome to episode four, Fantasy. Whoa! How are all you nerds doing today? Good? Great? Fantastic? I thought so. Me too. Thanks for asking. Today's episode is a duet featuring Kyle and I, Josh that is, and we'll be discussing fantasy. What? Fantasy sports, that is, you nerds. So for all you number-crunching, sports-crazed freaks out there, this should be right up your alley. But wait, maybe you're new to sports ball. Give us a chance. Let's have some fun. All right, here we go, guys. We're here to talk about fantasy, uh, sports leagues, that is. Let's start off talking a little bit about the history of fantasy sports, not just about football, baseball, basketball, but there's some other sports as well that we're going to dive into here. Kyle, you want to tell us a little bit about what you know about the, the making of and upbringing of fantasy? Well, the origins of fantasy sports were in fantasy baseball because baseball kind of lends itself naturally to fantasy sports because there's, you know, a huge sample size, 162 games per team every season. Right. And it was America's game first, right? We we kind of played baseball before anything else, really. Build it and they will come. So fantasy sports started there. I believe it was... A group of friends who came up with the idea i think it was like back in the 80s and they would meet at a restaurant called la rotisserie and they would you know draft teams and you know start them this is kind of pre pre-computer era too so they were probably doing this on like draft boards or or handwritten or, or some form of fashion yeah so they were keeping track of everything manually and they were looking up you know box scores out of the newspaper and manually updating the stats. So I think the way the rotisserie style fantasy baseball worked is, is it's kind of like a categories league in modern fantasy baseball where you're competing based on like home runs, say, as a category. And then all the teams that play will get ranked like one through 10. And then whatever rank you get, you get points based on that rank. And then you add up all the categories and then it's a big process, but then you get a winner at the end eventually. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a whole lot of information for someone. I was just thinking, we didn't really even explain what fantasy sports was. I was just like, wow, what if I just started listening to this and I was like, okay, what, what is fantasy? What's the purpose of fantasy sports? So I would say the, the purpose is you're competing in kind of like a statistical game. So the way it works is say if you're playing fantasy football, you will draft a team with certain roster spots open. Typically, you pick offensive players only for fantasy football because defense is kind of harder to keep track of statistics. Right. The The offensive player scores the points, so it's easier to keep track of statistics that way. So you'll fill, you'll have certain roster spots available. So typically for like fantasy football, you'll have a quarterback slot, two running backs, two to three wide receivers, a flex spot, which means typically like a running back or a wide receiver can play there, a tight end, 
and then a kicker and a defense slash special teams. So you'll pick, you'll have a draft with several other players. You'll all draft a team. And then during like the real NFL games for that week, those players' performances will score you points for your fantasy football team. So like, say you have Christian McCaffrey on your on your team. If he scores a touchdown in real life, your team will get six points. If he gains 10 yards, your team will get one point. And then there's a, you know various different scoring rules that you can play, but that's basically the, the breakdown of it. Right, your player scores in the fantasy team, whatever point system you're using, then that person also scored in real life too. So that's how, that's how you get get points there. Makes sense. I, that's obviously probably the same thing for baseball. I've actually never done um, fantasy baseball too much into it, but I, I'm assuming it's, it's the same thing. I know that you have a little more experience with that. You're probably get what hits. Um, I'm, do they do pitchers in baseball? Yeah. So I played it both where they do like similar to fantasy football, how you'll pick like a defense they'll do a pitching staff so you can pick like, Oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to pick the brewers pitching staff or whatever. And then you'll get all those pitchers on the, on the brewers, all of their stats. So strikeouts, innings pitched, you know, things like that will score you points or kind of like a, kind of like the defense in football. Yeah. So otherwise um, like the, the league I played last year, you'll have individual starting pitchers that you'll, that you'll pick and then they'll get points based on, you know, saves, Innings pitched, walks are negative points, uh, strikeouts, yeah, and so on and so forth. You get points for like getting on the base, getting like a walk versus like a hit or anything like that, or is it like hits and and runs only for like the offense? So normally hits are are scored by the number of bases that you get. So like a double will be worth two, where a single's worth one, walks worth one, home runs worth four, but then you also get the points for the runs that in RBIs. So if you hit a grand slam, you know, you get the four bases plus the three RBIs or four RBIs and the run scored. So, I mean, this is all making a lot of sense. I mean, in fantasy, you're, you're trying to score points. So on, in both baseball and football, what we've talked about so far, it seems like whatever scoring vehicle is in the real life transfers over into fantasy. It just, you know, kind of common sense there, I think. And I assume that's that's kind of like that for any other fantasy sport. Really, I've only done football. Have you gone into any other sports rather than than the two that we've mentioned? Yeah, I've actually played in a rugby league, Super Rugby, which is a rugby league that let's see what what are the nations that are involved. So Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, and I think there's an Argentina team as well. And kind of the way I got into that was I was playing in my work fantasy football league, and then kind of when you hit that dead zone in the sporting calendar where, you know, it's after football season and before baseball season, there's kind of a dead zone. So we were looking for something to do. And my one. So like late February into like March and then right before April starts. Exactly. So they're like, oh, we came across this rugby thing. Do you want to play? And I was like, I don't know anything about rugby, but sure, let's give it a shot. So then we used a $20 buy-in. So that's kind of how I got involved in fantasy rugby. Did you know anything about rugby before joining that league? Not a thing. (laughs) $20 is like, man, that seems kind of steep for not knowing too much about the sport. Or maybe I'm just, maybe I'm one of those people that, that need more information than is really necessary. Do you think fantasy, do you think you need to do a lot of research to get into a new league or something like that? Or 
you think a little luck is involved with that too I would say a little luck it goes a long way, but it's not like a slot machine. It's more similar, I would say, to like poker, where there's like a luck element involved. But if you're a good player, you will win more often than a bad player. You know the odds at that point. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's just playing the odds. You know, you you will know the elite players and the more elite players that you have on your team, the more success that you'll have. Right. I think you were telling me before on your rugby team that you did a little bit of research that ended up helping you out. What what did you end up doing to, to help gain some success there? So we were all on the same playing field. Nobody had any idea what the rugby rules are, who the players were or anything. So I was like, well, I'm just going to look up who won MVP last year. I'm going to target him as my first round pick. And it ended up being this guy named Damian McKenzie, who's... He's got to be good, right? <laughs> He's the MVP. He's the MVP. Exactly. So he's what's known as a fly half in rugby. So it's kind of like the quarterback or the point guard. So like everybody, all the kids that play rugby, they want to be the fly half. He's the guy who gets the ball the most. Yeah. So like I said, he's like the quarterback or the or the point guard. They're kind of like a distributor slash point scorer. So I, I targeted him and then he ended up being awesome. And then there's I don't even remember what his name was. Uh, wingers are also one of the higher scoring positions. And I got this, I forget what his name was. It was some huge, long, like Pacific Islander name, but he like blew up and scored a bazillion points. So I, I ended up winning the league. That sounds like two of the more important kind of roles to pick in rugby. In football, I know like obviously some of your big positions are um, your running backs probably your quarterbacks next and then maybe your receivers after that. I'm not as familiar with baseball, but uh, what do you think about the other sports in terms of more important roles to pick? Well, I would say at least the strategy I normally tend to play in fantasy football is running backs first because there is a small amount of elite running backs who will score points based on rushing as well as receiving. So someone like Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara Saquon Barkley, as long as he's not injured, maybe Dalvin Cook. All these guys catch the ball, so they're they're scoring points based on catches, receiving yards, rushing yards, and then touchdowns. It's like a, it's almost like a dual threat. There, it's not just I don't know, like a rece- I guess I guess in football you have a little bit of that, uh, depending on your player. I feel like it's all dependent on player. So, um, what you said earlier, there, if there's a specific group of elite running backs that do both that's that's why they're higher priority to pick up and i would assume the same thing goes for quarterbacks and and wide receivers as well if you have a quarterback that's good at both running and throwing then that's a that's a good pickup same with same with the receiver i would assume yeah so in the last couple of years we've really seen the explosion of kind of the more running style quarterbacks so like last year lamar jackson won the mvp and he was a stud at fantasy because he gets you the rushing yards and the passing yards. Dude, he he tore up everyone rushing. Like they couldn't stop him. And then when they like backed off for the running game, even though I wouldn't say he's an elite throwing quarterback, his passes looked pretty good because everyone was so afraid of him running. Exactly. So and plus, you know, at at quarterback that was like his first like breakout season. So people were picking him in like the 12th round. And when you get like a stud that late, you're well on your way to winning the league. Right. I mean, you might be able to do that with your, what I would say your freshman or sophomore players, but 
you know, as they as those players progress later, I feel like it's more about who in the who in the heck can say healthy because it just seems like this year. I'm not in a fantasy league this year, but it seems like there's a lot of players that are getting injured and or getting COVID or opting out because of COVID. And I feel like the younger, some of the younger players are more apt to be some of those, those studs getting some bigger points right now. Now, when you get injuries in your fantasy leagues, um, what's the strategy that you've used in the past in order to try and um, like band-aid your team or, or get back in it, so to say? Yeah, so like last year, I had a terrible season because my first three picks all got hurt and were out for extended periods of time. So like I said, injuries and luck goes a long way. So if you can have a healthy team, you're going to have a a successful team most of the time. So what you can do is after the draft, all the players that are left over that are not on a team will go on into like a player pool. Picking them up is what's known as the waiver wire. So just like in the NFL, if someone gets cut, you know, they have to pass through waivers. Like a free, almost like a open free agency, right? Yes. So there's a variety of different ways that the free agency will work, but that's how you can pick up extra players to replace people that got hurt. Sometimes you'll have an IR slot where you can keep ownership of a player and just move them to the IR slot so you don't have to drop them, but then you can pick up players from the uh, the waiver wire. That could be also a really, you know, nice strategy too. Like you said, if you're paying attention to the league all year long and say your league missed someone who has potential to start or or was going to start or maybe a, a second, like a backup. There's a backup running back who wasn't going to start and wasn't going to get a lot of pick, uh, a lot of carries. And all of a sudden the starting running back gets injured and you're paying attention to that. Well, then you know to pick him up. And if you don't pay attention to that, then then... I'm assuming someone else in your league is probably going to see that and pick them up instead. Oh, yeah. If you're in a competitive league, those backup running backs are huge targets. So that's also another strategy that happens, especially for fantasy football. It's what's known as handcuffing. So if you have like a, a running back that you know that has like a pretty bad injury history, so someone like a Dalvin Cook or a James Conner. Both, both good running backs when they're out there. While they're healthy, they're top 10 backs normally. So what you do is you draft their backup and and keep them on your team because you're like, all right, chances are this dude's going to get hurt. So I'm already going to be ready. You're just playing the odds that 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 guy's going to get hurt. Yeah, I see that. But you normally, obviously, you'd probably keep him on your bench until that person gets hurt. Yeah, yeah, because otherwise they're getting maybe like five carries a game or something. And then you're asking earlier, you know, fantasy baseball, kind of what are the positions, the highest scoring positions I would say probably like third base and first base are probably your your two keystones, your your mashers. All the guys that hit home runs, you know, they play normally first base or, or third base. You know, sometimes there's a big bopper in the outfield, but... Yeah, what's up with that? Come on, outfielders. Charlie Blackman was an absolute stud for like first half of this year. He was just raking in points. He was hitting like over 500 for like a month. And I was loving every second of it. That that's really impressive for the, the MLB. I I can't remember anyone. You'll you'll probably know this. Has there ever been anyone that's hit over five hundred for a season? No, the highest I think is I think Ted Williams broke four hundred. Still phenomenal in that in that regards. But I want to talk a little bit about defenses in football, and we and then we can go over to pitchers maybe in baseball because they're kind of similar too. Is there a strategy? for this, that conglomerate of, of players, because it's, it's not just one player normally. 
um, or are there leagues or, or ways of drafting individual players on the defense as well? I think there is, but. So you can play in leagues. They're called IDP leagues, which stands for Individual Defensive Player. And you draft them just as you would any other player. And they'll get points for like tackles, sacks, interceptions, you know, defensive stuff. But those really haven't taken off in most fantasy leagues. So the majority of the time you'll be drafting a defensive unit as opposed to a single player. And I assume on the defense... (laughs) You do what, like you said, all those things that you just mentioned, sacks, interceptions, tackles, points against, all kind of factor in. So if a defense uh, gets wrecked by the opposing offense, I'm assuming that you can go into the negative, whereas a lot of offensive, a lot of offensive players um, probably don't go into the negative too often, but I'm assuming it happens more often on defense. Yeah, it'll happen more often on defense, depending on your scoring. I've seen a couple negative performances from offensive players, but normally when they're negative, it's not really going to... Well, I mean, it hurts you, but it'll be like negative one or two. It's not going to be like negative five or something. Does that carry over into into the baseball talk too? I'm not sure. Like, If you have a pitching crew and they get blasted for nine home runs that game, are they going in the negative there? Or how does that work? Oh, yeah, you can get some negative big time scores in in fantasy uh, baseball because every time. So for like a pitcher, every time you get like a run scored against you or if you give up a walk or a hit, it's a, it's a negative point. So if you get a guy that gets shelled in the first inning and gives up like eight runs in the first inning, you're going to get like a negative 20 something. Oh, gosh, <laughs> I would never want pitchers. <laughs> Another position that we haven't talked about is regarding football that is is the kicker um it's also kind of a specialty unit as well is there a kicker is separated from special teams is that right yeah it's it's on standalone position okay and then special teams is kind of grouped together with defense so or, or is that separate too yeah it's grouped in with the defense so it's a defense and special team so all your like punt return and kick return stuff will go under that category so then going back to the kicker in football, I mean, I, I'm assuming just like, you know, your receiver, quarterbacks, running backs, scoring touchdowns, I assume it's similar to the kickers scoring a field goal or extra points, one point for an extra point and three points for a normal field goal. And maybe there's some special rules depending on length of kick or difficulty of kick, maybe. Typically, when I like first started playing, field goals were kind of like a flat rate. That was kind of the normal scoring system. But now it's kind of evolved to where the farther the kick is, the more points you'll get. So say you kick like a 49-yard field goal, like 0.1 points for every uh, yard. So like a 49-yard field goal will be worth 4.9 points. But then if they miss it, they get negative points or does it depend? Normally, they'll get negative points. I feel like this year there's been a lot of missing of field goals and extra points, so that's why I asked that. Yeah, and kicker's kind of a crapshoot anyway because it's kind of hard to predict how many field goals a team's going to get per week. Right. Back in the day, I mean, I'm a I'm a longtime Patriot fan. It just seemed like in the early 2000s when we first got Brady, right before I would say the 2007 season, we did a lot of field goal kicking. Back in the day, we had... Venetary and which was you know one of our all-time leading scores before Goskowski who was also obviously a huge score for us if anyone knows about football here 
but uh, it always feels like we get down to the the red zone and we couldn't we couldn't get a freaking touchdown because we had no one <laughs> that's just like the style we always played and i always felt like when i was first in fantasy i always liked drafting the patriots kicker because i felt like we kicked more field goals than everyone because we could never score touchdowns I mean, it makes sense. There's usually like a couple kickers that you can get that are like elite, like way better than the other one. So like Justin Tucker has been. Dude, that guy's clutch right now. Yeah, he's the most accurate field goal kicker in NFL history. So he's like a popular one to snag. And then as well as uh, the, the Chiefs kicker. What's his name? Off the top of my head. I can picture his face, but his name is escaping me right now. Yeah, I honestly don't know either. Uh, I'm thinking I'm thinking strategy now. So we're talking we've talked about some of the different point scorers in each of these leagues. And you mentioned a little bit earlier about kind of going after running backs first. Can you walk us through the draft? Like what what are we going after in what round or how many rounds are there? What's the draft set up like? And just a little bit about how that that strategy goes. So I just thought of that guy's name. It's Harrison Butker. But yeah, as far as drafting goes, you can kind of do two different options. You can do it the old fashioned way where you'll just have like a big, uh, big board with all the players names on it. And then you'll just draft them manually, like in the good old days. But then more popular now is like with all these apps and everything, uh, the apps will keep track and do all the work for you. Yeah, so like if a player's picked, it'll remove them from the player pool so you don't have to keep track of all that stuff. So it's super convenient. And there's kind of two different ways that are popular on how to do the draft. So the first is called a snake draft. So say you have like 12 teams in your league, you'll draft one through 12, and then the team that had the last pick will have the first pick of the second round. So you'll, you'll have picks 12 and 13 back to back for the for the same team. And then you'll pick in reverse order for the second round. And then it'll turn around and go the other way again for the third round. Basically, so you don't get the worst pick of every single round or potential worst pick out of every single round. Right? Yeah, so it's to eliminate like the person who just happens to get the last pick from from being screwed and picking last every round. And then another way that's popular is what's called either a salary cap draft or an auction draft. They're kind of synonymous. And the way that works is you'll get a certain amount of money. Every team will get the same amount of money. So normally it's like $100 or $200. And then someone will nominate a player. And then you'll have a bidding war to see who gets that player. And then you just go until your money runs out. Oh, gosh. That sounds like a a bad art auction gone, gone wrong. I feel like... If two people like really wanted a player, you'd like over overprice anything like a collector's item or something. Yep. <laughs> so you can do like two different strategies. One is you kind of try to collect a bunch of like maybe the second tier or like the middle tier guys. So you have like a very well balanced team. You don't really have any studs, but you don't have any duds either. <laughs> But then the other strategy is actually called studs and duds, where you invest really heavily in a handful of like very elite players. But then the rest of your guys are maybe like rookies or people that aren't seen as very good players, but you think they're going to have a breakout year or something. This kind of seems like like that strategy is popularized by some of these new betting apps like FanDuel, uh, where didn't I, I think we've talked before, maybe off air about FanDuel and how it's like maybe a one is it like a one day or one game kind of 
a league where you're you're picking players and just going against someone head to head is that is that how that works so FanDuel is what's known as daily so it'll be only for like one day so it'll be like all the games on maybe like Sunday it won't take into account the Thursday night game or the Monday night game it'll just be focused on like the Sunday night games or you can play just the Monday night football game but then you know the player pool is going to be shrunk down to just two teams and that works in the same way where it's an auction or a salary cap where you have a set amount of money to build a team and then DraftKings or whoever the the host will give numerical values to all the players and then you build a team based on that amount of money. But the, the thing about daily fantasy is you're playing against a whole large group of people so you could theoretically have the same team as someone else. So like if you pick Dalvin Cook, someone else could also use Dalvin Cook in their team as well. Right, because is it more like a one versus one? Are you playing everyone else? I've I've never used one of those leagues before. You can isolate it. So like say you have a group of 10 friends that you want to play with. You can isolate it to that or you can do like what's called a tournament and play against larger groups. Sounds like a fancy way to gamble and lose some money. (laughs) And then fantasy leagues are typically kind of split up. So you have daily like we just discussed. We have redraft, which is like a season-long format. So you'll draft the guys and you'll control them for a year. And then kind of the next step beyond that is known as a dynasty league, where you control the same group of players year over year until they either retire or you drop them from your team. The dynasty. That sounds like you're acting more like a GM at that point. It's like a virtual video game where you're controlling a team. That's basically what it is. And then you'll also have kind of these, I don't know what you call them, maybe like gimmicky kind of leagues. The last couple of years I've heard of guillotine leagues. So the way that works is you pick a team like normal and then every week you're competing against all the other teams at once. And then the team with the lowest score will get eliminated from the competition. Oh, so they're up for the chopping block then. Yeah, you get the you are the weakest, weakest link. Goodbye. And then they're they're gone, and then you go all the way until you're the last man standing, and then you win that league. That that kind of sounds fun, though. I mean, it really would. I, man, I don't know how I feel about that. I think the luck factor would be huge, kind of in, in the first couple of weeks, because especially in COVID here, if you're playing in one of those leagues and you had like your draft go, and then all of a sudden like players opted out or or like someone got COVID. Man, that, that'd be so rough the first couple of weeks if that happened to you here. And then all of a sudden, oh, you're on the chopping block because you lost half of your team. <laughs> yeah, it it happens. I, I mean, this year has been kind of crazy. Um, like you said, you'll have players either rule themselves out and just start sitting out the year. That kind of happens kind of famously this year with the the Chiefs running back situation where they drafted Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the first round of the NFL draft. So then everybody was like, well, we really want to draft him on our fantasy teams, but then he's got Damian Williams ahead of him on the depth chart. But then Damian Williams decided he wasn't going to play due to COVID. So then Clyde Edwards-Alaire got a huge boost in where he was going in fantasy football drafts. And I think that was a huge boost for his career too i mean i've been watching the chiefs a little bit and that that kid seems to be a strong runner so good for him but yeah now now Le'Veon bell <laughs> went to the chiefs and screwed up all his fantasy football momentum so i don't know how i feel about that i, I still feel like a, a eclair is a, a 
I don't know his name exactly, but I still feel like he was a strong runner. And even though Bell is fast, I still feel like he deserves a, a chance to play. But I guess that's a, a coaching strategy that us fantasy people aren't really privy to. So unless you, you're on the inner end, you just got to go based off of, I'm, I'm guessing, news news outlets and things like that to kind of get your, your fantasy information or, or how you get that information to set your set your lineup. Well, that's one thing what you were just talking about is NFL coaches don't care about your fantasy team. The Patriots are notorious for screwing up your fantasy football dreams because they will play four guys in the backfield and make all of them completely worthless for fantasy because you cannot predict who they're going to play. So kind of the way I try to soak up information is I'll look at, uh, so like there's writers out there that'll do columns every week. So like ESPN has Matthew Barry and then, um, you know, CBS has their own guys and so on and so forth. So you can read those, listen to podcasts. They typically have really good information distilled down into kind of bite-sized information. And then you got to keep your eye on the injury reports. So, you know, you're not going to be starting someone who was out that week those are kind of the, the main areas that i try to focus on i mean that that's probably really all you can do other than that like you said uh, it's it's kind of luck kind of chance kind of doing a little bit of research it's just like playing your vegas odds if if you go to vegas and and bet on a team and you have no idea and you go i don't know for in a couple of weeks here i know we're playing the jets and the jets are this year in my opinion are like the worst team in the nfl and say they were playing, you know, the Chiefs or a good team, and you just went out there and you're like, oh well, you know, they're they're still a pro team. They they have a chance to win, and you pick some some players without getting good information, realizing that the Jets are over this year. That's going to probably hurt your strategy um, overall when they get blown out by the other team. And I would assume the same thing kind of goes for your players here. If you don't get that information, then you just have a bogus lineup or you have people that, like you said, are go on the injury report list or the COVID list and are not playing now because of that. I like it because, one, you, you've got the statistical element. So I like math. It's got the math element into it. For all of us nerds out there, that's one plus. But then it's also kind of like stock trading where you're, you're trying to identify the next big thing before it becomes the next big thing. And then when you hit that, it's a great feeling. Yeah, that's another plus for me. I who doesn't like the stock market? Maybe I'm just getting to that age that I I like the stock market more. So like math, we're we're both engineers, so we like math. And the stock market just just is cool to, to play too. It's like here's my money, but here's not actually a bunch of money that I'm gonna lose. <laughs> um, and I get to watch a sport every week that everyone talks about. So if you like sports, I feel like fantasy is a good way to really learn more in depth about all the players and all the different teams in the league. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it's definitely also a way to make the games more interesting. So say it's a random like Thursday night football game and it's maybe like the Giants and the Dolphins or something. Two teams you might not care about. And but then oh I got this guy on I got Devontae Parker on my fantasy team. So now all of a sudden you're invested in a game where you would have if you're like a Raiders fan, you'd have no reason really to watch that game, but now you've got a vested interest in it. That could uh, that could also be, I feel like, a, a pretty big time consumer too. So you don't necessarily need to watch the TV in order to see all this happen either. With now with today's technology, it's so easy. I see guys and gals all the time just get on their phone and be like, Oh, look, like 
I'm not necessarily watching the game, but they're keeping track of the game just to just to see how their fantasy team's doing. Yeah, uh, so for pretty much all the apps, you'll have live updating on the scores and statistics and everything. You don't really have to keep track of anything. It just all does it on its own. I'll give you a, a little sidebar here. I, I will say playing your fantasy f- football or sports at the bar while trying to pick up people is is not a strategy (laughs) doesn't work unless they're real nerdy you know just like just like anything um in particular but i I just thought that was funny so now uh we're getting close to the to the time here josh um maybe to wrap up we can talk about are you going to get back into fantasy football and are you going to play in any leagues next year and if you're not why not I think for me, I've always liked fantasy sports. It's just more of a timing and kind of a fan thing that I had going on for me, which made me stop playing fantasy sports. I was really big into the Patriots, like I kind of mentioned earlier. In in terms of baseball, I'm a huge Indians fan as well. Um, Maybe we can talk about why we like our our sports teams in a a later episode. But um, that being said... I felt like when I was watching different games, I I kind of took it too personal where I was rooting for, you know, some player on the opposite team to do good against my my team and then I felt like I was doing my team wrong when I was cheering for someone else to score. And really that was probably due to a little bit of, you know, youth there really wanting my team to blow out everyone that we played and not really caring about good games or or close close wins so i think nowadays i'm i'm more apt to to kind of watching everything going on in the league and having those closer closer games but when i was younger i definitely wanted my team to kind of crush whoever we were playing and if we had if i had anyone else on the other teams like i didn't want them to do good so one of my strategies was was picking players that weren't gonna play against the patriots which ended up never being a great strategy for me. So I think, yes, I I will do fantasy again, probably just football because I listen to baseball on the radio some, but I definitely am not as keen to watching it just because of the length of the season. It is a great way to learn all the sports, I think, in my opinion, for someone new trying to either get into sports or maybe your boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, wife, husband are into sports and you also want to kind of impress them and learn something about it. I think it's a great way to learn that. So for me, I think I'd stick to football and I will probably do probably do it next year if the whole COVID situation is out of play here. Uh, what about you? Oh, I'll definitely be playing at least fantasy baseball and football. I might also try to expand into trying hockey for the first time. We'll see. We'll see. Is there any particular reason or thing that you're looking forward to most out of out of different fantasies i know you've been playing fantasies for a long time or is there uh you know something that really sets the leagues apart for you that um, you enjoy the most i really like fantasy football because it's like you said baseball season's so long i feel like fantasy football is like the perfect length where it's you know the season's 17 weeks long so it's not super huge time span and i don't know every weekend it's just very enjoyable because it's like you're looking forward to sunday because you get to 
play fantasy football and enjoy regular football. It's like looking forward to something every week. Yeah, it's like a it's like a it's like a hobby that you can get into if you if you don't have anything else to do on Sunday. Fantasy sports, well, football in that case particularly is good for for Sundays in the fall and in winter time period. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Now, one thing I, I want to brush up on real quick before we get out of here. I know we, we didn't dive into it too much, but in the particular leagues that you're going to join, is there a particular style of play that you want to do in your league since you're you're more into it? Are you doing you know, money money leagues? Are you doing punishment leagues? Are you doing what kind of leagues are you doing? I normally try to play in leagues with like a small buy-in because it keeps people interested. Um, so sometimes, especially this happens with fantasy baseball, because normally I can't collect enough people with interest in fantasy baseball to play with me. So I'll be playing in like a public league on ESPN. And typically you'll have maybe like a quarter of the league since there's no money on the line, just like draft a team and then never set their lineup. So then you've got these kind of inactive people, whereas normally if you have a buy-in, people will be interested in that and they'll keep up with it. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Well, I think that's probably enough information for this episode. I know that you're really big into fantasy like we've talked about here, and I'm looking to get back into it. If any of our listeners out there want to get into more fantasy or play anything like that, I'm sure they could reach out to us and I'd be more than willing to give them some advice. You might be better at that advice than me. Would you be Would you be all right with that? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Maybe if people are interested, we could... Get our own claptrap league going. Make it a tattoo league, and whoever loses has to get claptrap tattooed on them. No, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But that that'd be funny. All right, guys. Well, I think that about wraps up this episode. This time, thanks for listening in. All right, we'll see you guys. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>